2: John writes, if you'll read this book and study this book, you will be blessed. Anybody want to be blessed in your life? So when we get to 2 Thessalonians, I'm going to dip in just a little bit into that book of the Revelation. It has to do with end times. And if you'll come, as you are now, guess what? You'll be worse off for the book of Revelation. Is that right? No, you're going to be better off. But the world doesn't believe that because they never read it. So you ought to be glad today that you are in a church that teaches the Word of God. Because you're not in the dark. You know what's going to happen.
0: Too many churches these days seem to be more interested in telling happy stories and leaving their members unchallenged than teaching the plain word of God. Unfortunately for them, they'll be unprepared for the events that Pastor Mark will be teaching about today. He'll be sharing from Paul's first letter to the Thessalonian church, where Paul is telling his listeners how the rapture, the time of God's last judgment on earth are going to go down. You'll learn that the words Paul wrote 2,000 years ago are just as relevant, if not more so, than they were when they were first written. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of First Thessalonians, chapter 4, as he begins his message contrasts in life help us know what is best.
2: Lord, let us hear your lessons we are in chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Can you just turn there in your Bibles? Now, the word we're going to talk about today is a very simple word. You're familiar with it. It's called contrast. Here's the definition of contrast. Something that is different from another word. In other words, to compare in order to show differences. And we might use that word contrast kind of a different thing when you're in your life. The pros and the what? The cons. The pros and the cons. And when we make decisions, we're kind of thinking of that. If you're going to buy a car, well, here's the pros and here's the cons. If you're going to go on a vacation, here's the cons, here's the pros. And you work that through. So here's what you want to write. Contrast in life. Simply a comparison between two things often helps us to know which is best. So all today, I'm going to give you about 10 or 12. You don't have to write them all down. But the contrast, you determine as you're going through, that's the one I want. That's the decision. That's the difference I want in my life. I want which is best. Now, let me show you the basic one. Here's the scripture Paul writes. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things in heaven, not focusing only on the things of earth. So what you're going to see all the way through the scripture today, here's the contrast. We're going to talk about two contrasts constantly through the scriptures. Believers... Christ followers, and unbelievers. There is a great difference between a believer, how they make decisions, and an unbeliever. So here it is. Contrast. Believers have a different view of life than unbelievers. Paul said, we want to be thinking about eternity, but we still live here. The unbeliever, as in large, doesn't think about eternity. They just focus on life here. Well, that is dangerous because everybody's going to die. And that destiny where you're going is huge. And you can't make it after you die. And so as Paul goes through this, he's going to address a church just like I'm doing now. A church in Thessalonica. Look at verse 4. But you, the believers... Brothers, are not in darkness so that this day, the day of the rapture, should surprise you like a thief. You, again, is that picture between, he's talking to believers, the contrast of believers and unbelievers. Now, here's the contrast that you're going to see over and over again as Paul talks. The contrast between light, which is daytime, and darkness, which is night. Now, Darkness can be physical. People can't see physically. It can be intellectual. Man's wisdom versus God's wisdom. And then, of course, the basic one is darkness is really a spiritual term. The contrast between light and darkness and day and night are all through the scripture. And the Bible describes that contrast like this. The difference between good and evil, between God's people and the people of the world. Again, between darkness spiritually and light spiritually. Now, spiritual blindness is what you and I were born into. Everybody is born an unbeliever in darkness. We don't get it, we don't understand, we have a nature. And our world, spiritual darkness, is what our unbelieving world lives in. All around us is simply darkness, spiritually. And it's talking about away from God. Now, let me give you an illustration of intellectual darkness. Those of you that maybe, I don't know if you ever listened to Albert Moeller. He's got a podcast. He's very good. He's head of a Bible seminary conservative. He's really great. I listen to him pretty much five days a week, just like 10 or 15 minutes. He always has some interesting things. If you ever look at the New York Times, if you know anything about the New York Times, the New York Times is one of the most liberal newspapers in the world. And they had an article, I'm gonna read it to you, in March 25th in 2019, just a couple of weeks ago. Here's the headline of the New York Times around the world. Here it is. It's from a professor of philosophy. Thinks he's a smart man. Here's his opening statement on the headline of the New York Times. The idea that God is all-knowing is not logical at all. It's simply foolish. Well, that's what you would expect from a liberal newspaper. They don't even believe in God. So understand, he thinks he's smart. He's wise. God There's no way that a God is an all-knowing God. No, that's true. He's not only all-knowing. He's all-powerful. Sorry. (laughs) And see, the world believes that and goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, God had something to say about this man's wisdom. He's in darkness mentally and spiritually. Let me read to you what Paul writes. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. As the scriptures say... He traps the wise in the snare of their own, quote, cleverness. This man, unless he changes, is not going to be happy where he ends up. Because there is a God who is all-knowing, all-powerful, by the way, all-loving, if you believe in him. Now, how in the world can a person get out of spiritual darkness? If spiritual darkness is here... And we know that in our world. By the way, do you think today that spiritual darkness is getting better or worse? Yeah, by the instant all over our world. So how can a person get out of that spiritual darkness in their own life? Well, a prophecy from the Old Testament gives us the answer. Look at this. Isaiah 9-2. The people who walk in darkness, quote, unbelievers, as we all started, will see in the future a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. A light will shine. Now, who is that light? His name is Jesus. That's a prediction that World is born in darkness, living in darkness. They needed somebody that was light that could change their life spiritually. So this great light is Jesus coming to our earth to end spiritual darkness. Jesus says it like this in John 12, 46. I have come, Jesus speaking, as a light to shine in a dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. In the dark. Notice, he is the light of the world. Let me ask you. You're in a dark room, or maybe you're at home, and the electricity goes out at night. Or out in a store, and the electricity goes out. And you're searching. You can't even see in the store. You're searching, and you got... Oh, there it is, a little flashlight. You carry a little flashlight. The problem is you haven't touched it for two years. (laughs) Know what I'm doing, don't you? Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, bing, just a little light. Does a little bit of light make a difference in a totally dark room? Yes. Yes. Are you going, hallelujah? Guess what? You and I are the light of the world. Don't be discouraged. It's dark everywhere, Pastor Mark. It's horrible. Shine your light. Jesus is the light of the world. But when he left, he said, you are the light of the world. That's the joy we have. We have the light. We don't walk in darkness anymore. Now, Jesus goes on with a great statement. Let me read it to you, John 8, 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, Christ's follower, We'll never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. In other words, walking in darkness is about a spiritual insight into our world. If I'm in dark, I don't get it. If I'm in the light, I get it. I understand what life is all about. And the word walk simply means daily lifestyle. Here's another contrast you think about. Now ask yourself which one of these you think is best. Here it is. Contrast. Following Jesus, you're going to be in the light. Versus following self and Satan, and you're in the dark. Which one of those do you think is best? Is it debatable? No, I mean, it's very common sense. Of course I want to walk in the light. I don't want to walk in the dark spiritually. Now look at verse 5. You are all sons of the light, speaking to that church, and sons of the day. We do not belong spiritually to the night or to the darkness. Now... What Paul is saying is to these people, remember when he came into that town, there were Jewish people that believed in God, but they didn't believe in Jesus. There were pagans that didn't even believe in one God. They had lots of gods. And that whole church changed the Jewish people, not all of them, but many of them came to believe in Jesus. The pagans believed in God and Jesus. And so what he says is, you know, your sons of the light, your daughters of the light today, you don't belong like it used to be in those days. And this is what happened to all of us, exactly the same, because we were born in spiritual darkness. Take a look at what Paul writes from Ephesians. For you were once darkness. That's all of us. But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. It's not an event when you and I accepted Jesus Christ We stopped living in unbelief, we stopped living in darkness, we stopped living in moral confusion, and we started walking in the light. The light often means this, in truth and in spiritual insight. We can understand what's happening. Now, that's a huge difference. We're here today as Christians. Some of you have not yet become a believer, but you'll definitely get an opportunity at the end because that's the best lifestyle in all the world. So if you're here in a church being taught the Bible, basically, you will not be in the dark about life. Is that important? Yeah. See, we have to be here under Bible teaching. And we learned in the last few weeks, the rapture, that we're all going to die, the tribulation, the second coming of Jesus. So Paul says, I'm teaching you from the word. Do you know that there's, Many churches now that don't teach the Word, they dilute the Word. And one of the interesting things, you can go to a lot of churches, you will never hear the key from the book of Revelation. And they will say, well, the book of Revelation doesn't have any application to us at all. That's total foolishness. In the book of Revelation, John writes... If you'll read this book and study this book, you will be blessed. Anybody want to be blessed in your life? So when we get to 2 Thessalonians, I'm going to dip in just a little bit into that book of the Revelation. It has to do with end times. And if you'll come, as you are now, guess what? You'll be worse off for the book of Revelation. Is that right? No, you're going to be better off. But the world doesn't believe that because they never read it. So you ought to be glad today that you are in a church that teaches the word of God. Because you're not in the dark you know what's going to happen. Amen. Now, look at verse 6. So then, here comes that contrast again. Let us, believers, not be like others who are unbelievers, who are asleep, but here's two key words you can circle, but be alert and self-control. So Paul is saying to these people, As you wait for your death or the rapture, here's how to live. And he focuses on two habits that you and I should have as Christ followers. Number one, be alert and be self-controlled. That contrast. Now, here it is. What's the opposite of being alert? Contrast. Being alert versus being indifferent or unaware. An alert person is aware, sensitive to life, morally and spiritually. We get it. You'll see later, we're in a spiritual warfare. We understand that. This is not a party. This is a warfare. And when I'm alert, I'm sensitive to the things of the spirit. Not weirdness, but I understand That the Holy Spirit lives in me. And so I'm going to be morally and spiritually awake. I get it. I understand when I'm tempted what the Satan is trying to do. On the other hand, an unbeliever is often indifferent to spiritual truths. Unaware that they will be judged by God because they rejected God's free offer of forgiveness. They simply don't get it. They're living in the dark spiritually. Spiritually. They would never understand. We want to be alert. We want to be on mission for Jesus Christ. People don't understand when they die, there's only two places of destination. But we know, and that's why the Bible tells us about this. Now, I want to challenge you to see how smart you are. Turn your neighbor and say, I'm pretty smart. Come on, come on. I'm pretty smart. Okay, if you're pretty smart, then... Tell me what this is. How many have no idea what that is? Come on, be real. Raise your hand. I have no idea what I'm looking at. Now, what about the rest of you? How many know exactly what that is? Well, the rest of you know nothing. For or against. What's with you? All right. Back in, I can't remember, I think it was December. December. I finally sold my 2009 Camry. That had been a good car. I sold it. I sold it. (laughs) Ten years old. And I bought a new RAV, Toyota RAV. And that is on my dashboard now. That's called an auto lane change alert. When you're driving that car and you have this on and you're driving in a lane and all of a sudden you get distracted Or do whatever. By the way, it's easy to get distracted in a new car. Because down on that panel, I'm still learning. I've had four months. I said, where's the air conditioner? How does it blow here? What does that do? What is is that one doing over there? If you get a new car, good luck. You got to go back to college, actually. (laughs) And I've learned something. I can't be pushing down there and driving out the... Because I'm going right out of the lane immediately, right on a neighbor's yard or something. So when that thing comes on and you go outside, by the way, there's a great place you have to be careful with this, 192 in Minton. Nobody there knows where they're going. And the car knows because there's the lanes. It sees the lanes. You know the car, when it's my car now, when it's just a ramp. When it sees the speed limit, it pops right in your face. It's like the Holy Spirit, 35. It's amazing. I don't know whether they're Christians or not. I don't know what the deal is. But anyway, as you're, as you're going down your lane, if you, for some reason, just start to go out, you know what it does? Wonk, wonk, wonk. And it's not just that it drives itself to get you back. And I have to say, get your hands off the wheel, would you? See, the only way you can avoid that is put the turning signal on. But I always forget. Now, why did the car manufacturers design that? To protect from accidents and to protect from deaths. You understand that it's easy driving today in our world to get distracted, to get drowsy, to get comfortable. Have you ever noticed how many people, by the way, if you go to Singapore, we've been many times, you caught talking on the phone, you will be fine immediately. They see you and they have cameras everywhere. They don't even have a policeman anywhere. By the way, that's a safe way to drive. You can't Talk on the phone while you drive. I wish we had it. Do you realize how many people get in accidents by talking on the phone? And they're getting distracted. That's what that whole thing is about. Now, do you know this? Paul says we're to be alert. And I've watched this in so many people's lives, even my own. You know, when God calls us, he puts us in a lane. At the head of the lane is Jesus Christ. I'm supposed to be a follower of Jesus Christ. But if I'm not careful, I can get distracted by the things of life. And pretty soon, I find myself outside the line. And who am I now following? Me. That's very common for Christians. They're no longer alert. They're asleep spiritually. They're just caught up by the busyness of life. It's dangerous. And I just want to challenge you. If you used to follow Christ and you're in that lane, we're not talking about a lane that's like this. It's impossible to follow him. Not at all. We have the spirit to help us. And you're growing spiritually and you're not aloof and you're following him. That's the way we do life. But very often, Satan, with the things of this world and all kinds of emotional things, pretty soon we find ourselves, how did I get out here? Let me challenge you. At the end of this service, you need to make a recommitment and come right on back to following Jesus. That's the only way you're going to get to the destination you want to go to. Quit playing outside the lines and let's be right on alert for Jesus Christ. Let's get back doing what we're supposed to be doing. Now, that was really mostly for the world because they don't follow that lane. They always follow their own lane. But we know better. Paul is challenging us. Be alert. Don't be distracted. Don't be apathetic. Don't be lazy about your spiritual walk. Get back in line following the road that God put you on. Stay in that lane that he's given you as a gift from salvation. Amen?
0: Today, Pastor Mark taught about contrasts. You found out that the Bible uses contrasts quite a bit to help show the difference between right and wrong. You learned that a contrast that's used quite often in both the Old and New Testaments is light versus darkness. Pastor Mark showed quite a few examples of this particular contrast and which choices a Christ follower should make. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his teaching Contrasts in Life, help us to know what is best. You'll learn more about being a Christ follower and doing the works of what the Bible calls the light. Pastor Mark will explain what those deeds of light are and how making a habit of doing those works will cause you to get closer to God and to be a blessing to those around you. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living and together let's do life right.
1: In a hurry